ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. I'm your host, Janice Porter, and I have a very interesting gentleman with me today. I was going to say young man, but I didn't want to insult you, Matt. His name is Matt Holmes, and uh, he's coming to us today all the way from um, Costa Rica, Costa Rica. And smart place to be. It's sunny and warm, and I'm sitting here with the snow coming down in Vancouver. So I'm sure you've got some, you're doing something right. Welcome, Matt, to the show. Thanks so much, Janice. Great to be here. You're welcome. I want to tell my audience a little bit about you. And um, Matt is a marketing entrepreneur and um, a world record holder, a crypto hodler, and the founder and CEO of Handshaken.com, a company that connects contractors with local customers seeking quotes and helping contractors to shake hands with more customers in their city. Makes sense. And uh, Matt was set out on a mission to learn how America's 1% all became friends and leveraged relationships to reach success. So he interviewed venture capitalists, members of Congress, and billionaires on the Handshaking video series. Now, I have to say that that made me think of a book that I'm now rereading called Think and Grow Rich. Are you familiar with that book, Matt? Yes, familiar with it. That's a good one. Yeah, and it's, you know, it came from interviews that um, Napoleon Hill did over time with successful people. So I did see one of your videos uh, on your website. I didn't have time to see more, but what would you say um, was the, the theme then that uh, went through those, those interviews? And how did you get those interviews? I got to start yeah. somewhere in the middle of nowhere, right? Where, how did you get those interviews? Sure. So the, the first interview was one of my college friend's fiancés who painted these large-scale atmospheric paintings and sold them for five, $5,000 a pop. So right. I wanted to learn, hey, that sounds interesting. How do you, you, must, how do you connect with your customers? How, does, how are you able to, you know, we, at that point, we were just, uh, this is about seven years ago. We were a few years out of college. Most of us didn't have $5,000 to spend on a nice commission. Exactly. So uh, that was the first guest. And then I kind of went from, from that. I went through a startup accelerator. I interviewed some of the mentors. Eventually got my first venture capitalist. And it just kept going from there. Because as you're interviewing these people, once you're trusted to interview someone of a certain caliber, well, now people of a little bit higher caliber will trust you a little bit more. Yes, and you have an example. So a lot of the interviews I... Uh, found through LinkedIn in the early days, I would just reach out cold and follow up and follow up and follow up or use that as a tool to connect with them on something we had in common personally. I wanted to talk to them about their professional career, but if we have something in common personally, that really opens up the door compared to others that did not do their research. So uh, <laughs> that's I, so I, true. That's so true. Yeah. If I could stop there for a minute, because, you know, sure. I'm a LinkedIn trainer. And one of the first things that I say to people is you must read their profile. You've, you're looking for things that you have in common that can be conversation starters, which is exactly what you did. Very smart. Exactly. Yeah. That personal relation, or the, when someone can relate to something personally, mm -hmm with you, that definitely opens the door 
So um, that was that worked. And then with my video series, I, I I used to interview people and then I'd ask them after the interview, so who do you think I should connect with? And they'd refer, sometimes they'd refer a higher caliber, sometimes they'd refer a lower caliber. Uh -huh. But I changed that. And once I started asking them on camera, so which one of your mentors should I talk to next while the camera's rolling? Well, guess what? Then they always want to show off their higher yeah. caliber connections. So um, that was another strategy to connect with uh, Very clever. some pretty yeah. impressive people. Um, and you took away from that the, the, the value that you know, new relationships can give you, right? And um, so you know, beginning new relationships is one thing. And I'm talking business relationships, of course. But it's the same in, in life as well. Beginning, everybody loves the beginnings and there's lots to talk about. And, you know, you get excited about um, making that new connection, but then quite often it falls off because we're all so busy. So do you find, or did you back then when you were working that, did you, um, did you see the value in nurturing relationships? And if so, how did you do that? Or how do you do that? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the handshake and video series really taught me one thing. And it's that if you start a relationship with value, with providing specific value to the person you're connecting with, then that's the only way to start a relationship. And that, that sets you apart from everyone else who's just asking for a coffee meeting or asking for something. They need this. Can you help with this? But if you provide value and expect nothing in return, most people are too lazy to do that. But those of us who want to provide value and invest in a long-term relationship, we realize that providing a little bit of value up front and taking a moment to read their LinkedIn profile to make it specific is a very low price to pay for such a monumental and colossal connections that might change your entire life. And, um, and that's the same thing that all my guests said, the billionaires, the members of Congress, the venture capitalists, you know, it, it kind of started where people like find someone in your industry and then provide value. But eventually by the time I got up to billionaires, they said, you know what? You got to provide value to everyone in every direction immediately. And I'll never forget one example I got from billionaire, John Paul DeJoria, the founder of Patron Tequila, Paul Mitchell hair products. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. He, he said that when you're driving down the highway and you see that car broken down on the side, the ability to make the decision and pull over now and provide value, help that person out. That's the type of thinking that changed his life. He went from rags to riches. He didn't have anything growing up. The only thing that he had that set him apart and eventually turned him into a billionaire was the fact that he was willing to just pull off on the side of the road, not knowing what he'd get in return, and just help. And he was able to make that decision quickly. A lot of us want to wait and, okay, I'll provide value, but let me think about that. Or let's talk about it first. No, you must provide value instantly and okay. without knowing what you get in return. So in, so the example that you gave of stopping by the side of the road, certainly in today's world, we're a little more reticent to do that, especially for women. Okay. Yeah. Um, However, I think the message there is really important. And so what's another example of how you would give value? Yeah, so a lot of people want to... Now, I do believe that you need to be very strategic with who you surround yourself with. Yes. One thing with that example is you don't really know who's in a car that's broken down. And if, if someone's car is broken down on the side of the road, is that going to be your type of client anyway? If their yeah. car is breaking down, you know, so I have mixed theories on that. Uh, example as well. But I do, I think the highlight from that example is 
the the speed of decision making yes. that you you provide value right away and there's a little bit of uncertainty you don't know if or when or how it's going to come back to you but leaning into that is i think one of the big differentiators between the self-made billionaires that i've met and early stage entrepreneurs who are still pre-revenue after three years. Mm. So that's to, to kind of add to that example. Sure. No, that's, that's great. So um, do you have mentors now? Do you have coaches yes. or mentors or what do you see as the difference? I'm sorry, what or mentors? Coaches. Uh, coaches, you know, I've had a couple paid coaching relationships and I've never been able to find true success through those relationships. I think when the money's moving around that directly, it can turn into a conflict. Of course, they don't want to lose you as a client, and um, but they kind of want to stick with the way that they trade where, you know, what, one of my biggest mentors today is I, I traveled halfway around the world to do it as a bootstrapping entrepreneur with no partners and an online business in Denver, Colorado. I needed advice from other businesses who have outsourced their staff, didn't have investors, had a completely online business. And in Denver, you know, I built a great network of startups, but a lot of them were venture funded or had partners or, or were only hiring in the US and were not considering outsourcing. So I went and moved to the Philippines. And of course, there's tons of mentors there. And guess what? We all have one thing in common. We're not from here and we're living here in the Philippines. So, oh, uh, really? Interesting. So yeah. Americans there, expats. That's right. Oh, interesting. Who have already I, done what you were trying to do and hadn't done it yet. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple different types of expat communities around the world. You know, you can kind of see some folks that are retired and they're kind of burning through their money and don't have much of it. And you can kind of see those of us who are hiring abroad and, and still mm -hmm. trying to grow our career in a meaningful way. So one of my mentors is the CEO of Empire Flippers. We became really good buds. And um, I always tell people you should have a mentor that's where you want to be in one year. And you should have a mentor that's where you want to be in 10 years. And Joe is a close mentor and friend on where I'd like to be in 10 years, or hopefully now it's eight years since it's been yeah. two years of pandemic, <laughs> which is <laughs> yeah. when I moved out there about two years ago. But now you're not there. Now you're in Costa Rica. Now I'm in Costa Rica. Yeah, I'd like Same to be a little thing or just a holiday away from, are you going yeah. to go back to the Philippines? Uh, of course, I'd like to go back. Um, I'm not sure if I'll live there for an extended period of time, but. For work, I'll always be out there because all my staff are out there. Mm. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot on how to be a good employer in the Philippines. That's something that I just would not get from my network in Denver. But going out there and seeking more tailored mentorship and bringing personal connection to the table allowed me to really make some huge movements with that in my business. It's interesting because I finally just um, hired a couple of young ladies in the Philippines to do some spe two specific things for me. And, um, and so any advice on what the best way to deal with that type of relationship is would be great because um, there's this, there's this um, kind of class distinction they call, or, or is it, I don't know. You tell me because like the one girl calls me Miss Janice, Miss Jan, you know, Miss Janice and, <laughs> Right. And I feel like you don't have to call me that, but ma'am, they say ma'am a lot. Yes. And, you yes, know, right. And I, and I don't want to feel like we're not equals. You know what I mean? But that's the yes. way it feels when they do that. So do you have any comments around that? Well, when, when I first got to the Philippines, I was shocked because sir, 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 ma'am. 
um, all, all kinds of, it, they use it a lot. And it's, it's a more formal culture than us. And I'll, I'll give you a hint on Filipino culture versus our more Western cultures is um, so one thing that's hiding behind that respect and that formality is also the fear of making mistakes. So if they're calling you ma'am a lot, they're probably also very scared to tell you if there's a mistake or if there's a problem. So if they do bring something up, make sure to reward them because us in, in our Western cultures, we're more comfortable being like, hey, this is a problem. Here's what I think we should do to fix it. Where in that culture, if you say something like that, you're, you're punished and given a warning or fired and, and it's better to just not make a mistake. So, so I, I hope that helps. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, it does because it also makes sense from a couple of experiences I've already had. So that's cool. Um, so tell me about um, your, your background is real estate, right? You've been in the real estate investing or you, were you a realtor? Like I was, I was in the investing side. Um, mm -hmm. I never got my broker's license, but I feel like I don't, I could almost be my own broker if I just went and got that license. Sure. I get it. I get it. So you saw a need in that industry and that's how your business actually came to be. Correct. Because tell me about handshake, like the, the, um, uh, thehandshaking.com. Yeah. Sure. So my real estate company was before handshaking.com. I, mm. I was just finishing college there in Denver. I studied psychology, didn't like it. I wanted something more business and entrepreneurial. In college, I was flipping cars. After college, I got into houses. I flipped two, I flipped a condo and a house and, and bought some other houses. And I used out-of-state investors to purchase single family homes in Colorado and then we'd rent to all the different roommates and we'd rent room by room. And I, I did that for about three or four years before handshaking, but I'm not a landlord and real estate is not online. And I wanted, I wanted that, I wanted to work online. You wanted, I wanted the freedom, work, right? I wanted, I wanted to use more technology where, you know, contractors, they need payments and checks. They can't even take a credit card or, or payment in crypto nowadays, which is yeah. the, the big hype. But, uh, I eventually got out of real estate and started handshake. And I, when I liquidated uh, or not liquidated, flipped one of the properties, I had enough cash to kind of, that was a good time for me to begin transition out of real estate. I, I still have two properties, but I'm not trying to expand that, that business. Those, so those are where did this come from? Where did you, when was the first time you saw yourself as, as a, I got to say this as a hustler. I mean, you hustle, you do the things that it takes to make things happen. And I'm not saying that in a, I'm saying it in a positive way. Entrepreneurs are, I believe are, are, um, are born, not necessarily made. And so how far back does that go? I, I think the first memory I have getting really excited when I bought something low and sold it high was I was at a, a large chain store called Sam's club. Yeah. with my mother with my mother in middle school <laughs> and i saw someone else someone else who was selling candy bars in math class and uh and i asked my mom hey can can you buy me this variety pack of candy yeah. bars i want to try to sell it and of course she said yes so um <laughs> I, I bought really low it cost zero dollars and then i sold these candy <laughs> she bars. bought it for you she yeah. bought it for you that's smart <laughs> otp other people's money yes, the best yes. way to start a business yes <laughs> So uh, that was probably the first experience I had back in middle school. And then in college, it kind of went into motorcycles. I had a bad breakup and wanted something cool. So I bought a motorcycle on an impulse and turned out flipping it for a profit. And then, uh, you know, cars, they, they kind of, they're worth not much. I went from motorcycles to cars and trucks, which 
those assets are worth less later. So then I went into real estate, but it's too much hassle. It's better to just hold it and you're going to make money anyway. And now I'm on to online assets where we develop these websites and we grow them into a profitable lead generation website. And then we flip them for four or five X. I just love this. I love that you, you, I lost my train of thought because I wanted to say something there and, um, and it went from my head. So I'm going to go to, okay. You, um, you're also in the crypto world and you say you're a crypto hodler. You got to tell me what that is, because I know we talked to briefly before we went online about um, the crypto world, because I'm just dipping a toe. I think there's too much that I need to know. So I'm just going in blindly, which I don't normally do with things, but I'm trying to keep it so that I can learn from this little experience. So tell me, tell me what a crypto hodler Sure. So hodling is a variation of the word holding. If you spell H-O-D-L, that stands for hold on for dear life, which is what you need to do when you invest in crypto, especially recently. Yes. Um, you know, we experienced a dip here in early December 2021 and uh, and everyone's holding on for dear life. And it's basically it's shaking out the new money that's scared of crypto. It's shaking it out. And then more of the wealth is going to those of us that hodl and <laughs> have a tolerance for this stuff or because okay. uh, so yeah it's it's a very volatile fun thing and i'm not just hodling cryptos i'm i'm much more deeper into it uh there's there's decentralized finance but there's also decentralized kind of art nfts have really gotten popular this year now that world i know oh cool yes cool. my daughter works in that field wow awesome have you heard of top shots nba top shots Mm, uh, the game on PlayStation, I think, but no, no, I'm not no, 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 no. So are you a basketball fan or a football fan? Football. Okay. So the NFL just did a deal with the company my daughter works for the, that's going to be similar to the, uh, NBA top shots, which is moments that are traded in the marketplace, mm, wow. their NFT, their NFTs, their moments, LeBron James dunk. In fact, my, my daughter was just telling me yesterday that like, I, I'm a basketball, we're a basketball family and, um, Matt, uh, not Matt, um, uh, Barnes, what's his name? Um, the, the rookie for the Toronto Raptors who mm -hmm. was taken fourth in the draft this last draft just recently um so he is um they have a new dunk uh moment of his just came online it's going for 300 bucks which is like that's wow. kind of the daily thing versus like let's say uh kevin durant that might go for three hundred thousand dollars but anyway yeah. it's trading nfts and the nfl is now going to do the same thing that's are you searching for nba top shots is that what you're doing while we're talking yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So my, my daughter works for Dapper Labs, which is the company behind. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow, cool. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad that I was able to share that with you because um, that world I'm, I'm beginning to understand. But the crypto oh, is a little great. bit crazy. Now, the art piece as well. I have um, one my other daughter's friend is an artist, and she's doing some of her things on um, uh, the NFT platform as well and selling some things, which is really interesting. But it's yeah. so weird because, you know, I'm of the older generation. We want tangible things. And I think 
go ahead. But in money, the U.S. dollar or the yep. Canadian dollar is already not tangible. I mean, you you can you you can live your life without even touching cash That's nowadays. True. That's true. That's true. I don't that because I don't anymore. That's true. Yeah. Very true. So so, but the thing is that like everything in your world, in my granddaughter's world, is digital, right? And I'm still like. Okay, but I have like 14,000 pictures of her on my cell phone, but I need to have like a, a tangible touch. I need yeah. to have the pictures next to me. So yeah. my granddaughter. So um, I don't know. Do you ever not, do you ever feel that, that it needs something needs to be tangible because you're floating around the world. So maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I sure have gone the direction of minimalism in the last few years i mean after living in the philippines for a year and a half and flying back with two suitcases and a backpack i came back to my home in denver where uh, and, and i have all my stuff and furniture and clothes i haven't worn in eight years and <laughs> everything there and i just i started downsizing it's i'm too heavy I, I don't need so much stuff but but i don't know i don't know if that really hits on the chord of crypto it's um no, yeah. what I was going to say to you earlier that I remembered, and it and it speaks to the crypto as well. Are you a poker player? Um, I will dabble with Texas Hold'em or craps uh, maybe twice a year at the casino. Okay. But, <laughs> not, but you can walk away from it as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to lose, so it's easy to <laughs> walk away from it. <laughs> yeah, I play. I I have played um, Texas Hold'em in Vegas, and it was scary. But I only stay, you know, to the lower levels, but what I, why I say that for you. And also with the, the, um, uh, craps, I played that too. My father taught me how to play craps, but again, oh, cool. they are, um, uh, they're gambling, right? It's a gambling feeling. It's that feeling and crypto in a way is the same. Flipping houses yeah. is the same, right? You, you have a top, a tolerance for risk. I'm not sure I have that, that type of tolerance, but more than my husband, that's for sure. Well, I can I can share an example on when I realized that cryptocurrency was actually something that had more value than the USD oh. on two on two different occasions. So this is like four or five years ago. I had a part time SEO gal working for me in Pakistan, and um, we use TransferWise. So when we send money, we send money from a U.S. bank, which needs to be cleared with the U.S. government. It goes to the third party service TransferWise, and then they convert it into, in this case, Pakistani rupees which needs to be cool with the Pakistan government. And then they finally convert that and send that into my staff's Pakistani rupees bank account, which also needs to be cleared by the bank. So there's like a couple of different entities there that can slow things down or lock up the money or cause problems or take a fee. And, um, and then her currency dropped. You know, I really see crypto taking over in these countries that are having problems. Venezuela, I saw the example with Pakistan. Uh, Philippines, they're already making more money playing decentralized games play to earn because there's a now with the blockchain there's a limited supply of stuff that you can use in a game so when you create that shortage of supply now there's a growing demand for it and it turns out that demand in the philippines people can earn three to five hundred dollars per month by just playing this game and and selling for tokens in that game and then converting those tokens into Philippine pesos. That's already above the minimum wage in Philippines. That's insane. National currencies are going to go away because, because it's an international world now with the blockchain, it brings transparency to everything. And 
I could go off on a long tangent about that, especially since I just finished the DecentralCon in Miami, but. <laughs> okay, I, interesting. Yeah. So does, it, but when you say crypto and that they can, you know, go from the game and, and take the, the crypto, it, does, it, does it make a difference which cryptocurrency it is? Uh, yes, because different cryptos or tokens, there's coins, which basically have their own blockchain, like Ethereum versus yeah. Solano or versus, or versus Polygon. Those are different blockchains with their own token. And that's level one. Now there's level two crypto where like Palm is an NFT blockchain optimized coin. <laughs> I don't even, we just try to use these words to sound smart, right? I, I hear someone else say them and repeat them and I hope people trust me. <laughs> Although I don't even trust myself with this stuff sometimes. So you have like this blockchain optimized token that's built on the Ethereum network. Mm -hmm. And then that's, but it's supposed to be more friendly and you can use it for trading these NFTs like the Space Jam NFTs. Yeah. And then you can convert it back into Ethereum. So, okay. it doesn't, so it depends which blockchain your token is built on because then to turn it back into fiat or Philippine pesos or dollars, then it needs to be on that blockchain. Otherwise you lose it. So Got it. For that, okay. So, so with this, um, organization or membership that I was telling you about beforehand. Um, I'm in the process of, of um, uh, applying for their credit card, which allows me to put my money on that. And it's a visa card and I can now go use it in the real world. Yeah. Which this sounds like BlockFi. Well, I don't know. But anyway, you'll, you'll know more when I send you some info, but um, okay. yeah, it's fascinating. But there's yeah. there's separate entities, there's separate worlds, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's no tax on that world at this point in time, right? Not until you withdraw it on the gains. So yeah, yeah exactly. Um, fascinating, but we did digress, and it's all right because it's just a new a new way of thinking. And I see that you are very excited about it when you start talking about it too, because it's another another um, stream of income for you. Yeah, I mean it's it's great. Like my Filipino staff, when we hire a new person. Sometimes their bank's rejected, the address is a typo, the zip code, blah, blah, blah. It's locked up. They get paid late. They're stressing me out. I need to hire an HR person. And I'm, but if they have a Bitcoin address, I'm like, let me just send you Bitcoin. And it's there in 30 minutes every single time, the end. Even if it's just that simple. Interesting. There, there's so many use cases. So let me just sort of switch back to relationship building for a minute, not money building, but... Um, you have a question that I'm curious about that you put down here. Where should an entrepreneur know? What do entrepreneurs miss about networking? What is, what did you mean by that question? And what, what would you, how would you answer it? Entrepreneurs, most of them miss the opportunity with long-term relationships. They're yeah. acting like the used car salesman and they're going to their event, they're handing out their cards and they, they message everyone once, Hey, do you want to buy a used car for me? And then no one responds and then they forget about it. Yeah. And that's but, where the value piece comes back, right? Yes, exactly. But if you're that used car salesman, um, well, we've all, I've, I've been there once for six months, uh, first <laughs> job out of college, but uh, you, you should go to an event and you should ask someone about their car and their interests and what their goals are five years out. And if you can help them in nine months when they have a transition, just give them some advice. Don't try to sell them. Just right. provide value first. Such that's great advice. Most. Yeah, that, that's, that is something that is teachable and coachable if people will just pay attention. I know it's so true 
And I, I come across people like that all the time who are only in their own little bubble. It's all about them. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you. And uh, okay, I have to ask you this because you've got this as a suggested question for you. Why did you only have six interview questions instead of 10 on your podcast guests profile? <laughs> because they asked for 10, but I only had six. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. But maybe, maybe it's better to focus on the, the true quality, just like relationships. It's better to focus on one quality relationship than, than 10 quantity, than 10 in quantity. It's, well, it is. It, I, I think it is. Somebody said to me today earlier, it was my, um, um, a trainer that I'm using online. And he said, you know, where are you networking? And I said, he's like, we were part of a networking online networking. And I said, he said, do you go to any others? And I said, well, I said, if you go to too many, you're going to dilute yourself and you can't really build relationships. Um, however, you have to find one that one or two that feel right for you, right? They just have to feel right for you. And then you start building relationships with people. You yeah. don't just keep going to all these different ones and not build any relationships. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shotgun approach. It doesn't work. Uh, yeah. It's better to have that sniper and uh, pick one person and just change their life. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. So Matt, um, I'm going to ask you one final question. It's one that I love to ask my guests and it's a two part question and you can answer whichever part first that you want. Um, one of my favorite words and things is curiosity and so i love to ask one do you think curiosity is innate or learned and two what are you most curious about right now i think i know the answer to that but i'm not sure anyway <laughs> yeah. uh, i think i think you know too yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> so i personally that's a that's a really good question i think Curiosity can be learned. I think we're curious when we're in a safe environment to ask questions and make mistakes and, and not know. If, if we don't know the answer to something, but we want to learn more, if you're in a safe environment, you're going to be more curious. Mm. But if you're in an environment that's not safe, if, you, if you're supposed to know the answer, you're not going to be curious. You're going to say, I don't want to know anything about that. I'm not making any mistakes. Don't, don't teach me something new. So the environment can kind of control that. And it also depends on, on how much, how, how important it is for you to learn a little bit more about this thing you're interested in or this thing you need to learn about. So I, I personally think curiosity can be learned because, you know, being in different countries, I can definitely think of places where I was way more curious than others. Okay. And it depends on, on how safe it is to not know the answer. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And, and what I'm most curious about is, um, I mean, I really think we're at a big shifting point. We're almost two years into the pandemic. There's a new variant. Oh, uh, everyone's working from home. There's a ton of money moving around. Everyone who has money is making more money. If you don't have money, you're just struggling more and more. There's all these cryptocurrencies. There's, there's way more cryptocurrencies out there and tokens than than national currencies. You see Venezuela, you see El Salvador adopt the Bitcoin as legal tinder i mean there's going to be a lot of changes right around the corner and i'm so curious about how those are going to unfold was it was that your guess <laughs> it was yes it was and uh, because i could see you light up when you talked about it and you know and it's it's great because um it's people really 
in your generation that are going to make those changes. It's your, you know, this is your world that you're, that you want to um, make work because it sure as hell isn't working right now. So, yeah, well, at this time, it is almost Christmas in 2021 when we are um, recording this. So I'm going to say thank you so much for being here and wish you a very happy holiday season, whatever you celebrate. And thank you for being a guest on the show. Do you have one maybe last tip or, or turn for my audience about entrepreneurship that you would advise them? Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you guys so much for listening. If you've made it this far, we appreciate yeah. you. <laughs> and uh, and number two, you know, don't be afraid with with us being in the lead generation industry. We don't work with clients, so I've got nothing to sell. But one thing I can recommend is that if you're thinking of starting a business, the first thing you should do is go ahead and launch your website and verify it as a local business and, and see if you start to get some leads because you're going to save yourself a lot of stress and energy later if you start your business and you already have phone calls coming in. Mm. So uh, start start early. It does it costs just a few bucks. <laughs> And sometimes, yeah, yeah, time is we have time, we have to make time. So, thank you again. And to my audience, thank you so much for being here. If you like what you listen to, please leave a review and uh, go and check out Matt's uh, information on is it still handshaken.com? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's it. okay. And all of his, his info will be there. And thank you again. Stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.